0: you would this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Again, reading this morning in verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside... For then ye should go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord, and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Here Samuel is addressing the people after they have selected Saul as their king. If you recall, the occasion came in the land of Israel that a city named Jabesh Gilead uh, was attacked by an enemy king and enemy troops. And they wanted the people of Jabesh-Gilead to come out and to serve them. And at first the people agreed. But then the enemy declared that for that to happen, all the inhabitants of this city would have to have their right eye put out. And then they would have this sign that they were servants of this alien uh, alien, uh, force. And they said, give us seven days to make the decision. And in this time, they sent word to all their brethren. And uh, we find that there was a group gathered together that came together about 300,000 under Saul and protected this city. And ultimately, the city was delivered out of the hand of the enemy. Now, we come to this point that the children of Israel are brought before Samuel And Samuel lets them know the sin that they have committed in asking of God a king. We know that the reason they first asked is, number one, that Samuel was old and his sons were now judging in his place. And they were not judging in the way that Samuel had. They were doing wickedly and exacting money of the people and just not behaving as Samuel had behaved before the people. But they also declared they wanted a king that they might be like the other nations. They wanted to imitate the nations of this world, and that's never right for the children of God to try to imitate the nations of this world. Now I do see the scriptures teach that the time was coming that God would have blessed them with a the king, and if the people of God had simply waited about another generation, a man by the name of David would have been the first king in the land of Israel. However, the people of God were not willing to be patient and have God reign over them as a king, and in the future time, David would have been raised up. So instead, a man by the name of Samuel, excuse me, a name of Saul, who was a tribe of Benjamin, which the law made no provision that a king could come out of that tribe, was to reign over Israel. And we know Samuel would tell Saul later on when Saul went the wrong way that when thou wast little in thine own sight, in other words, when he was humble, he was a great king before the Lord and before the people. But the time came that he was elevated in his own sight and of course became a great problem in the land. And ultimately God would have to take him down and David would be raised up. And so here comes the people before the Lord and before Samuel. And Samuel declares to them that if they will hearken to the Lord and that they would simply honor Him and follow His commandments, that it would go well with them and also their children. However, if they would not, they would be consumed and also their king. They beg Samuel to enter into intercession or prayer in their behalf, and Samuel agrees to do so. Notice what he says in verse 20. He declares to the people, "...fear not." Ye have done all this wickedness. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He says, Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Then he says, Moreover, verse 23, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider... How great things the Lord hath done for you. If the Lord will bless us this morning, I'd like to look at that phrase where He says, Consider how great things the Lord hath done for you. Over and over in the Bible, we're told to consider certain things. To consider doesn't mean just to lightly think about something, but rather we're to think on it intently. To think carefully about the subject at hand. And the Bible, as you uh, open it up and begin to see the many times that we're exhorted to consider something, about 92 times altogether we're uh, commanded to consider. That means once again to think seriously and to think intently about the subject at hand. Too often times, especially in our present uh, society, men are not uh, ones to dwell on, especially spiritual truths, hardly on anything though. We're such a fast-paced society, we want information, but as soon as we learn it, we forget it because we want the next uh, new piece of information. And so it's not common for people simply to dwell on uh, things of God or really things of anything. But over and over. told to consider or meditate about these things. And here we find that Samuel tells the people, I'm going to pray for you and I'm also going to go beyond that. I'm going to teach you the good and the right way. I want you to fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for this is the reason. Consider how great things He had done for you. That's a good encouragement and commandment for us all. To consider how great things the Lord has done for us. You know, if we're thankful for past blessings... It's a lot less likely we're going to complain about present circumstances. If we can call to mind how God has been with us in the past, how He has blessed us over and over with His goodness and His grace, if we can call to memory times that we were financially low and didn't know maybe where the next bill would be paid from, and lo and behold, a check came in the mail and the Lord provided for us, uh, we didn't know maybe how we would provide for our families uh, during a certain season, but God provided through uh, someone else, and blessed us in that way or perhaps we've been in danger uh, natural danger, physical danger and the Lord's hand intervened and we were delivered and spared or we were blessed in the house of God with a good season of good joy in hearing the gospel preached. There's many blessings that we could uh, stop and count. In fact if I just spent uh, the whole morning just on considering how great things the Lord has done for us, I couldn't cover it all just in my own life and the time allotted much less all that He's done for you. But if we all stop and consider how great great things the Lord has done for us. Again, we're a lot less likely to complain and be bitter about uh, circumstances as they are right now because we'll remember that God has been faithful to us in the past and provided for us in the days of danger or in the days of want or care or worry or concern. He was there all along the way and lifted us up and uh, set us upon a rock and established our goings and simply was there for us. He has fed us. He has led us. He's guided us. He's watched over us. He's over and over blessed us far above what we ever could have asked for and especially more than we ever did deserve. Here Samuel tells his people, consider how great things the Lord has done for you. I find another occasion in the New Testament when the Lord Jesus encouraged another man much along the same way. You remember the wild Gadarean, the man who lived out in the cemetery? Uh, He was naked and uh, he was a man that they couldn't even bind with chains. He was possessed of many devils and tormented all the time. And there he was dwelling alone for no man could stand to be near him. And here the Lord Jesus comes to him and this man comes to the Lord and begins to worship the Lord. But obviously this man is still possessed. And the Lord even asked the man, what is your name? And he says, our name is uh, Legion, for we are many. And then he even asked, art thou come to torment us before the time? And if you remember the story, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, drove those sw- uh, those uh, uh, devils out of that man, cast them into the swine, and the swine cast themselves in the sea and were drowned. the Bible says that that man was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Here was a man who had been greatly blessed. And now the Lord Jesus was about to depart out of that coast and the man wanted to follow after him. But the Lord told him instead of that, you go home and tell your friends how great things the Lord has done for you. And so that man obeyed. He went home, and the next time a few days later that Jesus came through that same place, the entire city came out to see the Lord Jesus because they understood that this man had been healed by Christ. They knew who He was. They were the ones who had bound Him with chains in the cemetery. And now here He was, a man clothed and in His right mind and confessing that Jesus Christ had delivered Him from that horrible condition which He was in. And now they heard that declared, and so they wanted to come out meet the Lord. He did exactly as the Lord commanded. He went home and he told his friends, amazing that he even had any, but he told his friends how great things the Lord had done for him. And they wanted to meet this Lord who had done great things for this man. We also have a testimony of how great things the Lord has done for us. And we ought to do the same thing. We ought to uh, continually tell our friends how great things the Lord has done for us. Just simply talk about the goodness of the Lord in our lives. You know, we're all quick or most of us are quick anyway to tell about our problems, tell about what we've gone through that wasn't pleasant you know I don't know how many people I told last week about going through a bumpy flight but yet I had a wonderful time seeing my family and many good blessings and when I stopped to look back at it I talked very little about that but I talked a lot about the difficulties. We're just prone by nature to do that but yet if we would focus rather on the things that are going well in our lives and the many blessings which God has showered upon us once again in our present Difficulties, we could call to mind how God has helped us in the past and we're confident that He will help us again in our present distress. So again, here Samuel tells the people, "...they're to fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all their heart, for consider how great things He had done for you." We find in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 12 told the disciples that they were to consider two things. They were first to consider ravens, and secondly, they were to consider the lilies. Now the Lord has just told them before this that they were not to take thought for the things of this world. You know, we're not to take thought for the things of tomorrow. For the things of tomorrow will take thought for themselves. He tells us sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. You know, we only have enough grace to live in the present time. We don't have tomorrow's grace yet. I'm thankful that when we wake up tomorrow His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And it'll be there tomorrow. But we're not there yet. His grace is not there yet. His grace is right here and now. And He's given us enough grace to deal with today's problems and today's complaints and today's worries and we ought to just stick with that. Now that doesn't mean that we should never take any thought for the future. That's not the point. The point is we should not take anxious thought about the future. There's nothing wrong with making preparations and planning but at the same time we're not to be worried about what's going to transpire tomorrow. Most of the time we find out that what we're worried about tomorrow never comes anyway and so all that worry was wasted to start with uh, because God by His grace intervened and we never experienced what we were worried about experience to begin with. So here the Lord He tells these people that they're not to take thought of the things tomorrow. And He also tells them they're not to worry about their food nor their clothing. And of course that's a, a great concern for us to know are we going to be provided for? Is the Lord going to uh, continue to take care of us? Are we going to have clothing? Are we going to have food? Are we going to have a house over us? Are we going to be able to pay the electric bill and the water bill? Uh, can we keep going on? And that's exactly what these disciples were worried about. They were concerned simply with the daily necessities of why? And so the Lord turns to them and tells him, consider the ravens. Now here are birds of fowl that have no one to watch over them. Uh, They certainly don't have a job to get up and go to every day. He says, but the Lord provides for them. Here they don't have storehouse nor barn. They don't have a place to store away food. They don't have a pantry and the kitchen stocked full. But yet the Lord provides for them. And every day they have the bread that is necessary so that they can uh, continue on. Then he says, consider the lilies. They toil, neither spin, not. Uh, they, don't, uh, they can't make themselves garments of clothing. He says, yet Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God who takes thought for ravens and takes thought for lilies, certainly He's going to take thought for His elect. Which He says, crying to God both day and night. Here the Lord's point is, look at these two things. Look at a raven and look at these flowers of the field. If the Lord provides for something like that, which in comparison to you or I is meaningless, then we ought to remember that He's certainly going to take care of us and take care of our needs. I like what King David said in Psalm 37 when he says, I have been young, and now I'm old. You know what he's saying by that? I've lived, and by experience I have seen something. I'm not telling you this as a young man, but one who's passed through the span of life, and what I'm about to tell you, I have the authority by my own testimony of this truth. He says, I have been young, but now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. What's he telling us? There. He says the Lord's people have been provided for. Now that doesn't mean that we can always count that things are going to be flush and full. But the point is this that God takes care of His children and provides day by day those things we stand in need of. Remember the prayer the Lord gave us as a model prayer to Him. Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be Thy name. And in that He also tells us that we're to pray daily for our daily bread. Uh, God daily thankfully takes thought for us and daily He uh, makes provision for us and daily, we're sustained. A lot of times we take for granted those things, though. Maybe we take for granted even our employment, our ability to pay the bills. And if it wasn't for God's providence and God's help, we might have lost our jobs long long ago how many times God may have spared your own business and company simply because you've been faithful to Him and that business is thriving because you're an employee in that company and God wants to make sure you have money to pay the bills and to feed your family. Uh, We all know that our economy is a a fragile thing and in a moment we could get a pink slip telling us uh, that uh, our job isn't there anymore. Downsizing's coming. We've got to have layoffs and all of a sudden what we had confidence in can be gone in a moment. But to if we have our confidence placed in the right place which is the Lord of glory who will provide for us every day what we stand in need of then there should be no fear or no worry about present circumstances or what might come tomorrow in the business field or in our workplace knowing that God has provided for us in the past He's the one that blessed us with this job right now and we trust He's going to bless us tomorrow just as much as He has today and yesterday and in the years that have passed behind us thanks be to God we have a rock upon which we can stand And it's not the economy of the United States. It's not the Federal Reserve Bank. But rather it's the God in heaven who owns all the gold of oprah and the cattle of a thousand hills. It's all His. It all belongs to Him. And thanks be to God, He takes thought for us and provides for us what we stand in need of every day. Consider how great things the Lord has done for you. Consider the lilies and consider the ravens. If God provides for them, certainly He's going to provide for you. We find in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 4 that Moses tells the people of God that they're also to consider that the Lord, He is God. You say, well, that uh, seems obvious. Well, it is obvious, but yet sometimes we fail to consider it or keep it in mind. Notice what he says. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Moses tells the people, know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, He is God in heaven above, And upon the earth beneath there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now he's just given us a prescription for a good, long, and happy life just told us if we'll follow the commandments of the Lord, which He commanded them that day, that not only would it go well with us, it will also go well with our children, and our days will be prolonged upon the earth. He's just letting us know that God will be with us and He'll bless us and He'll uh, give us those things we stand in need of. But He tells us, first of all, that there's a condition that we have to meet. And the condition is this, that we simply obey His commandments. Now we know that uh, when it comes to our eternal inheritance, there's no conditions whatsoever uh, placed upon you or I. It doesn't. Uh, it's not conditioned on us accepting Christ. It's not a, a conditioned upon us uh, being baptized in His name. It's certainly not conditioned upon us walking faithfully all the way to the end. What it is conditioned conditioned on is the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. However our temporal blessings and our temporal deliverance is conditioned many times or are conditioned many times upon our faithfulness to the commandments of God. Uh, If we're not obedient to the Lord we should not expect His blessings uh, to fall towards us. They will not. He will withhold them and we see that over and over uh, throughout the Bible especially in the history of the children of Israel. So here Moses tells me, and know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, He is God, in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. He's the only one. That's what He's telling Israel. There's nobody else to count on. There's no one else to rely on. He's God in heaven, but He's also God in the earth. That tells me there's no one else in heaven and no one else in the earth except God which I'm to depend on. I'm not to depend upon the employer. I'm not to depend on my own ability to uh, make ends meet. But rather I need to recognize that God is uh, God in heaven above but He's also God in the earth beneath and He is able now uh, to uh, turn things in our way and He's able as God who is God over the earth uh, to make things fall the right way for His children uh, to turn the hearts of kings to deliver His his children from wickedness and, and troublesome laws, but he's also able to turn the heart of a boss uh, to be kindly affection towards an employee who's a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, "Consider once again in your heart that the Lord He is God. There is none else. He's the only one, and that's okay because He's a great one." We find in Job chapter thirty-seven. Not only are we to consider that God is the Lord. We're also to consider the wondrous works of God. In Job chapter 37, we find there's a man by the name of Elihu who's finally speaking. If you'll remember, there were three friends who came to Job in his misery. And after seven days, they just added to his misery when they began to speak. And after the three old men had spoken all that they had to say, finally Elihu, a young man, spoke up. And that young man spoke more truth uh, than those three old men and even Job did throughout all their conversations. And we find that as this uh, man spoke to Job, he tells him in Job chapter 37, verse 14, he says, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. He's just declared to him in the verses before how God is powerful in the sky. How that He takes clouds and they hang there in the air. How that He has control of the frost and the lightnings and the rain. That He's sovereign God over all His creation. And that we ought to consider that in our heart and know how great and how powerful uh, He truly is. I'm not one who's often moved by nature. Uh, there's a lot of things that I just walk right by and never notice. Uh, however, we find that a lie who says, don't do that. We're to consider the wondrous works of God. And when you go out, especially in the countryside in a dark night and can look and see into the vast sky and see all the stars which God has made as uh, David would say in Psalm 8 when he saw the uh, the starry sky and says what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him. He saw the finger work of God and he was amazed by it and he was also humbled by it. When he saw the vast creation He was his response was in all of this that you have done why would you take thought of me? Uh, you know really when you can stand and see the vastness of God creation, how amazing and wondrous and beautiful it truly is, it really puts us right back where we really are. How small and insignificant we are in all this uh, universe which God has created. You know, too often we become the center of the universe in our own minds, but when we can step out and see the wondrous works of God and consider uh, how great things and all the intricacies that God has created and to think the thought that had to go into that by God and how He's a great engineer and architect of all that we see around us and yet in all of that he still takes uh, thought of us and he's mindful of you and me how a God who can do all of that and would still have attention for us mere mortals that are simply here for a short time as James would say our life is a vapor it's here today and it's gone tomorrow we think we may live a good long life but yet in the span of all creation and especially in the span of eternity really how small and insignificant we really are Except that God loves us. What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Here Job is told, consider the wondrous works of God. We ought to stop and think about those things. When we go over to the beach, just stop and think of uh, uh, how mighty the Lord is who makes the great wave, but yet the Bible says He rides upon the sea. Uh, he may have made a great and, and strong sea, but yet God is still sovereign over it. We find the Lord Jesus Christ in that night when the sea came against the disciples. He just said, Peace be still. And immediately the waves, uh, they ceased to roar, and all of a sudden there was a great calm. Hear the Lord who created all of this. Thanks be to God. He has not under under His creation. He is still very much over the creation and He's sovereign over it just as He's sovereign over you and I and we ought to stop and take in mind how great things that God has made and blessed us to behold and then to stop and think what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him. David he just saw that and he was perplexed that God would take such thought of him but it's important I believe that we do stop and consider those things and just thank God who is so powerful but yet also so mindful of you and me we turn to Psalm 48 and here we find that we're commanded to consider the palaces of Zion In Psalm 48, it begins, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Then he says, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. He says, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. It says, they saw it and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there in pain as of a woman in travail. He says, thou breakest the ships of Tarsus with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will be established, or excuse me, God will establish it forever. Selah. You know what he's talking about here? I believe he's talking about the church of the living God. He's talking about Mount Zion where we have assembled here this day. He said this place is beautiful for situation. I'm thankful for the beautiful situation we have in a natural way where our church is placed. But more important than that, there's a beauty in the simplicity of the church of Jesus Christ and there's a beauty in the teachings that place that go on here that far exceed the wonderful trees out here, the wonderful pastures around. Thanks be to God that the glory of God is declared in a place where we can assemble together and hear the words of truth and be encouraged. It is truly beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Notice what he says. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Then he says, Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Notice verse 12. He says, walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell ye the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. And he says, Walk about Zion. You know what he means by that? The church ought to be the place that we spend as much time as possible. But we don't just uh, spend it uh, absent mindedly. But rather, when he tells us to walk about Zion, it means we're to be active in the Lord's house. It also means we're to be uh, thankful for the Lord's house. And we're to understand the beauty of it, the simplicity of it, the doctrine of it, the teachings of it, the order of it, even the discipline of it. All of those things that go about to make up the New Testament church are things that we ought to consider. Notice what he says. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Uh, Tell the towers there. If you know what a bulwark and a tower is for? It's for our defense. It's for our refuge. It's a place where uh, safety has been built. Uh, What uh, David is telling us, in Mount Zion, we have a place where we can ascend to that will be protected protected against the onslaughts of the enemy. When we come together in the gospel kingdom, around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we hear the word of God. We are brought together in one faith to one Lord through one baptism. And hearing the words of truth, we are protected so that when the uh, cunning, uh, cunning craft of some men come against us, where they lie in wait to deceive us, our minds are well protected. And the devil is not able to interfere and try to discourage us from the truth that we understand and see in in the word of God. Walk about Zion. Go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark you well, he says, her bulwarks, but also consider her palaces. Our places where we dwell. A palace, of course, is simply a, a, a place where kings dwell. The Bible says he's made us kings and priests unto God. And here we are in Mount Zion, truly a palace. A place where we all have a place. And thanks be to God, he's made room for us. In the Lord's kingdom, in the Lord's house. He says, Consider that. And he said, This is why, that ye may tell it to the generation following. If we ever grow concerned about why there are new children, A lot of times if we trace it back, we'll find because we've not been faithful to tell it to the generation that is following. Too often times we're silent about the Lord in our homes. And too often times we don't speak to our children as we ought to. Deuteronomy chapter 6 makes it clear that fathers are supposed to talk to their children about these things when they rise up in the morning, when they lie down at night, when they're sitting in their homes, when they're walking by the way. In other words, the Word of God ought to be preeminent in our lives and we express it to our children. You know, the greatest blessing that you can show your children is how much you love Zion yourself. You can tell them how much you love it, but unless they see it, they won't love it themselves. If they're a child of God, they need to see themselves how much you desire the Lord's house and hopefully they'll see how important it is to you. And since it's important to you, hopefully it will likewise become that important to them so that they will dedicate their lives and their service to the Lord's house. And they also will walk about Zion and tell the towers thereof. They'll mark her bulwarks and they'll consider her palaces. It's our responsibility as has parents and grandparents and yes even great grandparents how to tell our children these things my parents didn't do it, my grandparents didn't do it but thanks be to God I had a great grandparent who did do it and she carried me to the Lord's house and through her ministry I was blessed to see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm thankful so we might all say well that's the parents job and yes it is but where they fall short or even where they don't fall short let the grandparents supplement and also show it also and even the great grandparents, we always have that responsibility to tell it to the generation that is following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Jesus said, Having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. Here God has promised He will be our guide even unto death. There are so many other places we could go, but time just simply won't allow I do want to go at least two more places and then try to close. We're to consider once again that God is the Lord. We're to consider what great things the Lord has done for us. We're to consider the lilies and the ravens. And by that, remember that God will also take care for us. We're to consider the wondrous works of God. And through that, be mindful how small we are. But thanks be to God, God has been mindful of us. And we ought to likewise be mindful of Him. And we ought to thank Him for past blessings. And hopefully being a thankful individual will not be a complaining individual about the things that we're going through presently. And we certainly won't be concerned about troubles that haven't even happened yet. But in Hebrews chapter. Chapter 10 verse 24, we find the Apostle Paul says we're also to consider one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, Paul says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, sometimes we like to provoke to something else. Sometimes we like to provoke to anger. Maybe through joking or riling, provoke folks and get them to rise up and get a uh, you know, get a reaction. But yet here the Bible tells us we are to provoke, but not in a negative way. But rather we're to consider one another. That means take diligent thought once again to think intently, to think carefully about it. Here in this room are several people who ought to love one another enough that we consider one another. That we're on one another's minds through the week. I hope that when we leave this morning, this will not be the last time that we think about the members of this body until next Sunday morning. I hope that we're mindful of one another every day of the week and that we're praying for one another. But here the Apostle says we're to uh, consider one another and through that we're also then to provoke one another uh, to love and to good works. Notice what he says will come from that. Then he says, We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He just said that we ought to consider one another, provoke one another to love and to good works, and that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That means that we're to be faithful to come to the Lord's house every time that we meet Then he says, Not only that, when someone we meet in the week, you see a member of the Lord's house, and the day is approaching. He said, exhort them. Exhort them what? Exhort them I see at the Lord's house this Sunday. And be praying that the Lord will bless that day. Let us be praying that God will bless the studies of the minister. And let us be praying that the Holy Ghost will come down upon us in power. Let us be praying that it will be a good day in the house of God. Exhort one another in such a way. We're to consider one another in such a way that we'll provoke to love and to good works. And exhort to godliness that we would walk together in the good and the right way. And then we turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul says this. In verse 1, and I'll close with this. He says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the Apostle and High Priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. He says we're to consider the Apostle, and the high priest of our profession. And he follows that up by saying he was faithful to him that called. So when I consider the Lord, what am I supposed to consider? His faithfulness. You know, over and over the Bible tells us that God is faithful. And thanks me to God that He is. And so if I'm consider- to consider the faithfulness of the Lord, what am I to draw from that? That I need to emulate Him And do everything I can to be as faithful as possible to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the house of God and to my brethren. Again, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful thing to think about, to just dwell on Him and to meditate upon the things He's done for us and the promises that He's made and the things He's yet to do. A wonderful blessing that uh, we have the opportunity and that we know enough about him that we're actually able to stop in our lives and simply dwell upon him and to think of his goodness and his grace, his mercy and his kindness, and uh, to remember that he's the king over all the earth to remember uh, that uh, uh, through him salvation has come and through him the accuser of our brethren is cast down, uh, that through him we have a great hope that in a future time that we're going to be in glory forever and ever uh, that through the mercy and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came down to where we are so that we could be lifted up in a future day uh, of where He is. Uh, what a wonderful blessing to dwell on Him and simply consider uh, who He is and what He's done for us and to consider how great things He has done for you. My friends, it's important to spend time dwelling on these things. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Finally, my brethren, he tells us there are certain things that we're to think on. If there are things that are just, that are good, that are lovely, things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says, think on these things. It's more important to think on those things than who's going to win the next Bucks game or who's going to you know, win the World Series next spring of a, a game that hadn't even started. Or to think about a race car game or this or that or all these other things that we spend so much time devoting our minds and our attention to. How important it is that we simply dwell on the things of God. These things will give us a peace which pass all understanding. And they provide a joy which is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Again, Samuel told the people these things they were to do. Fear the Lord with all their heart. And also to follow him in truth and to consider how great things the Lord had done for you. May God bless you today as our friend.